Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you for tuning in yet again. You can always email us at pathtozionpodcast at gmail.com. If you want the audio-only versions, you can always find those over at pathtozion.com as well. Please subscribe, pass this on to anyone else, and uh, let us know if you have questions, thoughts, uh, challenges to this, and of course, a lot of things we can add on and build to it. Um, what in the world is the gospel? That's what we're talking about. And and what if what if we who have been raised in just general Christianity have not known the full gospel? What if we've not known the good news? What if we've not been taught it in all of our hours of of sermon ingesting and and church attendance and Bible studies and discipleship classes and prayer meetings? Is it possible that we've not known the full gospel? Yes, absolutely, unequivocally, without question. First-hand proof right here, right now. When I study the Word of God now through the lens that I am, I am having to confess I have not known the full gospel. I have not known why Yeshua came. Now I've known it's more than just to save me because I'm a wretched sinner for a very long time. But my understanding towards the fullness of the gospel and, and, and the culmination of the ages and the plan that started all the way back with Abraham that we touched on in part one, it's just expanding and growing and growing and growing exponentially. The more I read, the more I study, and the more it reveals in me that I can just confess openly I've not known the gospel. I've not known the good news. <laughs> it's surely not just Jesus came to save me. And so we talked about the stumbling with continuation through every part in this series, how uh, when, the, when the true gospel comes, when, when, when we see Yeshua for who he really is and was, offense comes. We stumble. We're like, what? This is not what I had in mind. <laughs> and we are no different, and we need to confess that openly, that that is true for us as well. And we, we wrapped up the last part talking about many things. I just I just want to keep moving because I'd like to make this the last part um, of the series. Um, <clears throat> let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. The most famous saying in the Bible towards um, love and, and, and what we culminated part three with, I'm not going to rehash it all. So let's just read it. I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband to present you to Messiah as a pure virgin. Now, here's more marriage, wedding model, two-house talk again. Uh, verse 3, I'm afraid that somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your minds might be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion and purity to the Messiah. For if someone comes and proclaims another Yeshua, whom we did not proclaim, or if you receive a different spirit that you did not receive, or a different good news that you did not accept, you put up with that well enough. Paraphrased. What if something other than what we see in the Scriptures is presented to us? I already alluded to it a little bit. It's idolatry. The, the, the wide way Christian Jesus is not the biblical Messiah. I hate, there's no way around me saying that. I don't enjoy saying that. But the Jesus we have been presented is not the Messiah of the Scriptures. He's not. He's not the same. The man 
The God-man who lived a sinless life and is knocking on the door of your heart, asking you to come in, and you just open your heart. Did you ask Jesus into your heart, Susie? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Praise God. And friends, as silly as that is, it's it's grievous that that is literally the gospel. Receive sinless Jesus because you're a sinner, Susie. Okay. That is, that's, that's what's become the gospel. And friend, it's idolatry. It's, I would say, in humility and just the most calm way I know to say it, I believe that Christianity today in 2022 in America that I have grown up knowing is what 2 Corinthians 11 warns us about. To the T. (laughs) But we're so far removed, we don't know the Messiah that Paul taught. So he continues in verse 4 of of 2 Corinthians 11. If someone comes and proclaims another Messiah that we didn't proclaim, or a different good news, don't put up with it. Don't entertain the idea if it's a different good news than the full gospel. (laughs) So what is a different good news? What is a different gospel? I would suggest that it's the same thing that made all of these others that came before us in Yeshua and Paul's day what they wanted the gospel to be. What do, If the gospel is all about what we believe it should be instead of what the Bible says, it is a false gospel. It is a different good news. I believe that's the most simple way to explain it. They wanted a Messiah, so many that have preceded us, that they created to perform for them. So we have to ask, willing to answer this question, have we done the same thing? I would say yes. Let's read uh, some of Matthew 15, starting in verse 22. Behold, a Canaanite woman from that region, Tyre and Sidon, came, and she was crying. She cried out, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. He didn't answer her a word. Uh Uh-oh, here we are again. Offense. Right? Offensive. How rude. Are you kidding me? Yeshua would never do such a thing. Yes, he did. She's crying out to him, calling him appropriately. O Lord, son of David. Have mercy. She knew she needed mercy, and she knew he was the source of it. And she cries out to him about her demon-possessed daughter, and Yeshua didn't even respond. So his disciples came and begged him, send her away. She's crying out after us. It's so annoying. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, lady. Verse 25, but she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. And he answered. Now he's talking to her. He went from ignoring her. I have a whole teaching on this. He went from ignoring her to offending her more. It's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, oh, I know. She agreed with Messiah. This is very key. You may think you know this account, but pay attention to what I'm saying. She set her agreement with her with his offensive word. Okay? This is very important. These are not just stories, y'all. She said, oh, you're right. In other words, paraphrase, yeah, I know. (sighs) 
Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. She admitted her place. So thereby Yeshua answered her, O woman, she has his attention now. Great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. Now I've said this before. Only those who willingly admit their wretched, poor, undeserving condition have any chance at all to receive the full reason of why Yeshua came. She didn't argue with him. She didn't dispute what he said. She didn't say, are you kidding me? What about me? She said, no, I am a dog. And you know what? I'm fine with that because you're my only hope. Oh, Lord, son of David. I don't have any problem admitting that. Call me that. It's true. Friends, we've got to embrace our condition. We do not deserve anything from the king. We We deserve nothing from the Messiah. No mercy. None. She knew that. She didn't argue the point. Until we, like this Canaanite woman, admit that we are but dogs that do not deserve the inclusion that Messiah offered, we will remain offended and cast away, falling away, misunderstanding why he came unwilling to believe. And we will miss the full gospel. Let's examine more uh, Bible texts. Luke chapter 4. This follows Yeshua's quoting Isaiah to reveal that he was the prophesied Messiah. Um, Man, this is... We've, we've already been here before, and now we're going further. And this goes to my point of what I said with Paul. When Paul's standing in front of them, they're all listening with intrigue. He's giving his testimony about what happened, his, his, his encounter with Messiah. Intrigued, right? And then he said, and oh, by the way, I'm going to the Gentiles. Rage, rage. They want to kill him. They, want to, they say he doesn't deserve to live. Boom, just like that. Why? No, that's not the gospel. No, you're talking about favor for us. You're talking about all this encounter and experiential supernatural stuff. Yeah, we're in. Awesome. Signs, wonders, miracles. Yeah, count us in, brother. Oh, yeah, and by the way, I'm calling the Gentiles to the dogs to make this comparison and connection. Oh, no, you're not. Uh Uh-uh. Out of here with him. Kill him. So here we are, Luke chapter 4 again, picking up in verse 22. The account when Yeshua was in the synagogue, which I told you just arrested me just not long ago. I couldn't get away from it. I hope I don't talk about it for four more hours now. I might. So Yeshua was reading. We know he's reading the prophecy in Isaiah that we talked about in part one or two. I don't recall now. And they they were intrigued at what he was saying. He sat down and they're like, all the eyes were on him, locked on him. Well, what did he go on? This is what happened. All spoke well of him. And they marveled at Yeshua's gracious words that were coming out of his mouth. Now, why? Friends, listen to what I'm saying. I'm stomping the floor, but it's concrete and you can't tell. He was speaking, he was speaking favorable words to them up to that point, up to right here. And they said, isn't this Joseph's son? And he said to them, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum. Do here in your hometown and in your hometown, excuse me, as well. Oh, here's where it gets real ugly real fast. Verse 24. He said, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his own hometown. In truth I tell you, there were many widows in Israel 
In the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over the land, and Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. We, we could probably spend time explaining this further, but I'm assuming you know what this is saying. Verse 27, And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them were cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. You understand, like this is, I would say, this is jabs at them. Elijah, Elisha, men of great reverence, great, great place in the, in the eyes and in the ears and in the sight of these listening to Yeshua in the synagogue. He is saying they didn't go to Israel. They went to others. They didn't go to the lepers in Israel. They went away to someone else. And they're like, whoa, 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 what are you saying? Well, oh, oh, are you, they're making, they know what he's saying <laughs> more than we do. So verse 28, when they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. And they rose up and they drove him out of the town and they brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built. Why in the world did they do that? So that they could throw him down off of the cliff. Passing through their midst, he went away. This is what the Spirit's saying, and I'm going to be bold right here. This is not in my notes. Luke chapter 4, verse 30. I didn't see this till 10 seconds ago. As Yeshua said, I'm not here for you. I'm here for something much greater. And they were filled with rage and wrath and were ready to throw him off the cliff. Something happened, friend. Yeshua left. Yeshua, who means Yahweh is salvation, left the building. He mysteriously was gone. The gospel was missed, friend. The good news was disobeyed. Please let that sink in. This is very serious. Perhaps more so than I'm even making it because I don't want it to be too heavy to have anyone listen. So the account of these gathered here, enraged and offended by the news that they would reject him alongside the Canaanite woman not becoming offended at Yeshua's revealing his purpose, it's the same thing. Except, except they wanted to kill him. And the Canaanite woman said, you're right, I'm a dog. I don't deserve anything you're offering. I don't deserve this gospel. You're right. One received it. The others, it escaped from their presence. Friends, we got to let that sink in. If we become offended and stay there, enraged at what we see, this isn't the gospel, we will drive Yeshua away in our arrogance and pride, fully convinced that we know Jesus. Friends, these people knew Isaiah. They knew the prophecies. Man, are you kidding me? (laughs) 
We think we know Yeshua better. Arrogance. We will even want to kill him because what he reveals is not what we think it should be. Again, let's read and learn that the people that heard Yeshua in the synagogue, that loved his favorable, gracious words, instantly became enraged when he revealed to them the hard truth that they had truly not embraced him in his own hometown. And that they were not worthy of him, basically. The people thought that because Israel was the chosen nation of Yahweh, that they should receive special treatment. Also, they apparently thought that Nazareth should be treated specially because they surely knew Yeshua more than the others. So here, Yeshua knows this, brings an offensive word by giving examples of prophets who did not do mighty works in their own town or even for Israel. Yeshua was clearly teaching them that the inferior Gentiles had been shown things that the chosen people of Israel had not, and this infuriated them. They stumbled. They fell away. To the point of wanting to kill him themselves. The one that they were just adoring moments before when he was speaking favorable towards them. Do we see now, I'm asking, do we see especially American Jesus Christianity, clearly in this text. Same thing, different side of the coin. I would say yes. Offense must come because it's the origin of correctly seeing Yeshua as he is, I think. I may be wrong. I think that's what the Scripture tells us. But then we must acknowledge what is true and yield our will like the Canaanite woman. And Yeshua told her she's full of faith. Isn't that interesting? She's full of faith, belief in what is presented. Whatever you say goes, Master. I don't care about my opinion. I'm a dog. You're right. I don't argue the point. So what then? What is our hope? I will go out on a limb and say that Yahweh wants us to stumble if, in fact, biblically speaking, it would seem that we have to in order to encounter the gospel as it truly is and fully know the good news. What he desires to see is who will, in humility, acknowledge why we have fallen and then get up in repentance and embrace who his son really is and why he came and what the gospel is to accomplish. 1 Peter chapter 2. Coming to him, Yeshua as to a living stone rejected indeed by men, but chosen by Yahweh and precious, precious, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Yeshua Messiah. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Verse 7. Therefore, to you who believe, what is that? We have to just believe what? If, to you who have placed your entire hope and confidence that Yeshua, salvation, is who he says he is. He is precious to those ones. But to those who are, here we are again, disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. 
Please, I hope, I hope this is making sense using the Word of God from beginning to end. But you, okay, you what? You who believe that Yeshua is, is who he says he is. You are a chosen nation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, chosen generation. You are his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You were not once a people, but are now the people of Yahweh Elohim, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Friends, what have we been talking about for months here on the program? The beauty of the people. Friends, that's the gospel. Yeshua is the door into the culmination of the prophesied covenantal reality of Abraham. And again, I'm saying I don't understand it all yet. I do not know the full gospel. But I'm saying it's gone from me becoming a Christian and Jesus dying on the cross to something that is vast and as big as an ocean. Now, have I swam the whole ocean yet? No, I never will. But I'm saying we must give ourselves to the reality of we have understood the gospel to be a grain of sand when, in fact, it is enough sand to cover the entire face of the earth and more because Yahweh desires a people. And you who were once not a people, Father, has made a way through the gospel to become a people like he promised Abraham that he would. In closing, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, it tells us this, quote, Now, we ask you, brothers and sisters, concerning the coming of our Lord Yeshua the Messiah and our gathering together to him, not to get shaken out of your mind and don't get disturbed, either by a spirit or a word or a letter, as if through us, as though the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way. For the day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one destined to be destroyed. He opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he sits in the temple of God proclaiming himself that he is Elohim. This here is apostasia. Apostasy, obviously, a defecting. And so I'm saying running right alongside this is the prophecy that was declared to us. I call it prophecy in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Anytime we're told something that is coming, we can just simply say as a prophecy. It's safe to do that. But a day is coming that unless this falling away, also worded as a defecting, an apostasy, even a rebellion, has to come first. So that this man of lawlessness is revealed. I'm saying to pull all this together, in this age of lawlessness, man says what? We have a Savior that has brought us salvation, freed us from everything. There's no law anymore. We do what we want. We're free in our Messiah. The gospel is we used to be sinners. Now we're not. We're waiting for heaven. I'm telling you that this falling away is where we are right now. 
And it's going to come in greater measure where a false idol Messiah has replaced the real Messiah because we've seen him as favorable, desirable, easy, easy to receive by making a mere decision. Have you responded to the gospel? Have you ever heard that before? How do you respond to the gospel in modern Christianity? You say a prayer to ask Jesus into your heart. It's easy. You've heard the phrase that makes me sick to even reiterate. It's so easy a caveman could do it. You ever heard a sermon where someone used to say that back 15, 20 years ago? No, friend. The gospel that is the real full gospel is offensive. It will cause you to stumble, and it will cause you to fall away, and your only hope is responding in humility as you fall away and say, whoa, 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 whoa. I see the stumbling rock of offense. I know the scriptures just enough to know that this is a prophesied reality, and I choose to surrender my will, my way, my thoughts towards what the gospel is, and I yield to the full gospel and say, let it be me. Let it be me. Help me, Father, to be included in you fulfilling your covenantal promises to Abraham and let me be a part of your people, your possession, by keeping your commands and walking in your ways. In other words, we had better give heed to all of the scriptural warnings of what will and must happen, and none of us are immune. And that's the key. It's like anything else. If, if an addict cannot admit he is addicted he has a, a bigger problem than the addiction, right? If a fallen, confused, misled believer cannot confess that they are in error when it is revealed, the condition is worse than just walking in negligence and not knowing it. We have to study the Word of God and allow it to illuminate truth in us and deception and discern between the two, and we have to willingly die to ourselves and to our own ways and to our own doctrines and beliefs so that we have room in here to receive the revelation of the full gospel. The old gospel's got to go for the new to come in. We have to make room in here towards our understanding. There is hope for us, friend. When we view Messiah as he is and the fullness of why he came, we can respond in humility and yield to his true identity, which allows us, what I talked about possibly naming this something else, how we stumble into who he is and what he accomplished. We will be offended, I believe, and we will remain so until, unless, something specific happens. Something that is entirely dependent upon how we respond that we saw a little bit with the Canaanite woman. When we truly see Messiah as he is, I propose that we will remain offended until, all caps, underlined, bold, italics, until what we're going to look at in the next series that is not done yet. That shot me off into this. Friend, we have been told what to do. We have been given individual examples in the Word of God. This is how you respond to the full gospel. Because the full gospel went out in the book of Acts. And I'm telling you, friends, we have been shown men who responded in a way to rightly receive the whole full good news. So, friends, what, if, what about it? The gospel, the good news, glad tidings. What if we who have been raised in Christianity have never even known what it is? 
I'm hoping that in all of this that I have tried to present has in some measure moved you from this point to this point in understanding what the full gospel might be and what it might not be. And it is up to us individually to study, to figure out what is and what is not included in the full gospel. You've been watching and watching and listening to the Path to Zion podcast. We are laboring here to rediscover the ancient way. With all our flaws, with all my failings, with my misunderstandings, misquotings, and all these things, I pray that Father will use it for His good, for His glory, to move me first from being deceived and confused and fed a false Messiah, moved into His his full purpose to deliver to mankind the full gospel. Friend, I pray you find it. I pray we find it. There is hope for us. Our Father is good. Thank you for watching. Amen.